I'm excited to be back. I've been like working on so many segments and they're not all for today, but I'm excited for when they do arrive. I guess sometimes in life you commit to doing a podcast (laughs) two times a week and uh, usually it happens when you're doing nothing. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Um, do you have anything to say before we jump in? Yeah, I do. Okay. I got a little soapbox to get up on. Okay. I wrote all this down. I read the Wikipedia page for this episode. Listen to this paragraph. Curly comments that he did not expect Rose's husband to be white before Jack quickly changes the subject. The producers felt it was important to address that they are an interracial couple and that Hurley was saying what the audience would be thinking. It doesn't matter if that's what the audience would be thinking. I don't think it's important to address. Like, we'll be so distracted that we won't even be able to follow I the rest of the show. I can't follow the rest of the show. I need someone to address <laughs> I it. I think I'll be okay. I, the audience, did clock it, and then I was somehow able to move on from that staggering revelation. <laughs> Next, it says on Wikipedia that the actress who plays Rose quote, agreed with them and thought it would be odd if the issue was not addressed. No. Ooh. (laughs) Let me just say, as the offspring of a white, black, interracial couple, it's not odd if you don't point it out. (laughs) The actor who plays Bernard also was glad that Hurley brought up the issue and liked that Jack did not pay any attention. Yeah. If that's, I think I can agree with that. Like, yeah. Uh, go on, go on. If anyone's going to bring it up, it should be Hurley because Hurley says the dumbest shit of anyone on this show. And I agree. I like that Jack didn't even have a response to that. But like to think that 16 years ago we lived in a world where you have to remark upon an interracial couple on TV. Like, yeah, I think that it made sense for Hurley's character. And I thought it was funny. Um, but I don't think that they needed to say, like, that it was important to yeah. be addressed. Like, somebody has to say something about this. Like, this is out of left field, even yeah. for Lost. That just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I actually called my mom to talk about this. Ooh. Um, while you were what asleep, did Beth have to I was, say? like, yelling on the phone. <laughs> Um, in her opinion, it definitely could have gone unaddressed and that wouldn't be a problem for the audience. She said, what is this, the 70s? But then she remembered remarking to my dad just the other day how TV and movie writers are not pointing it out the way they used to. If someone was in a relationship with someone of a different race, it almost always used to come up in the course of the story. Hmm. Mom says that it seems like nowadays it doesn't always have to be relevant to the plot, which is huge, I think. You don't have to be like, what's the agenda here? Or how is this going to come up later on? She said the same goes for gay couples as well. She's seeing more and more that someone can be gay on a show without that being the primary focus of the show or even the focus of that character. So Mm. to conclude, (laughs) casting interracial when it's not important to the plot, that's woke for 2005. Believing that you couldn't possibly move forward without addressing it, that's (laughs) unwoke for 2005. (laughs) Even for 2005. Well, okay, there is 
um, a Rose and Bernard backstory episode with flashbacks that we will be getting. I don't remember when. And I don't I don't remember if they even talk about them being interracial because it's not the main focus of their relationship. Yeah, because it's not the 70s. Yeah. So that that is woke, too. (laughs) That, like, there's a whole other thing that is... I don't know. Their whole thing. Ooh! I mean, wow. (laughs) It is, uh, it is truly summer. (laughs) Can I, can I go on record and say that right now? (laughs) Oh, kill me. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So weird. That was the only production note on the whole Wikipedia page. Like, a lot of times they'll... I don't know, depending on the episode, sometimes there's, like, multiple paragraphs of information on, like, the cast or what happened with something about the production. But this episode, it was just, like, yeah, they they had to point it out because it was really important. <laughs> and everyone agreed that that was a great move. I mean, I feel like a lot of other things happened in this episode that were, like, yeah, huge plot points, but okay. Anything else? Mm-mm. This episode, season two, episode nine, what Kate did. Guess what we find out. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Um, Directed by Paul A. Edwards, who directed nine more episodes of Lost, which we have yet to see. Um, It premiered on November, nope, (laughs) November 30th, 2005. Uh, On that same day, John Simantu becomes the first black archbishop in the Church of England Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next day, on Thursday, December 1st, The Color Purple opens on Broadway, produced mm. by Oprah, starring LaChance. Hell no! Hell no! Girls, how they say in the family of a man. Is it LaChance? I don't know. I say LaChance, but I've never heard anyone say it. Oh, he well, knows. He knows. <laughs> How to pronounce lichen? Two correct ways. How to pronounce lechadores. <laughs> so the internet doesn't know. This is... <laughs> How to pronounce Lachance's name. Of the internet. Okay, well, I hope that that was right. Um, okay, I've got a big old bummer of a story for you. Fuck. Friday, December 2nd. 25-year-old Australian citizen Van Tuong Nguyen is executed in Singapore for drug trafficking, despite pleas from Amnesty International, the Holy See, and the Australian government. And, like, a bunch of other, like... Like, the Pope literally was like, don't fucking execute this man. He said that, actually. (laughs) Um, And they did it. So, drug trafficking holds a mandatory death sentence in Singapore under the Sing- under Singapore's Misuse of Drugs Act um, because there's such, like, a huge, like, transportation hub. Um, I don't fucking... It's, like, a, it's a huge problem over there. So, they really started, like, crack down on it. Hmm. Um, less than 24 hours before his death... Um, his lawyer, Julian McMahon, said, What I wish to say is he is cheerful because he is composed. He only wishes to think good thoughts, to say good things, do what is right. 
Um, he is completely rehabilitated, completely reformed, completely refocused on what is on doing what is good. And now they are going to kill him. And like that, he I he says that in like a video where like he's got all these cameras in his face. It's fucking heartbreaking. Um, so a little bit about Van Tuong Nguyen. He was he and his twin brother Koa were born in a refugee camp in Thailand in August of 1980. The twins and their mother, Kim, migrated to Australia shortly after. He went to school and planned to go to Deakin University, but financial difficulties led him to work as a store clerk, door-to-door salesman, computer salesman, and research marketer. In 1999, he starts his own computer sales business, but he dissolves it um, when his brother, Koa, got in legal trouble. So he got a sales research and marketing job to support him. Um, His brother, Koa was um addicted to heroin um and i don't they don't go into like what the actual charges were against but it is interesting that like his brother had a heroin problem and mm-hmm. then he and he goes on to traffic yeah um heroin so he had to take a long leave of absence in 2002 um, which in his confession he says was due to an acne medicine that he was taking so like he had to take four months off Um, because of this medication that he was on. Um, But his brother had a loan of $12,000, Australian dollars, um, that he needed to pay before the end of 2002. And uh, Van only had enough money to pay $4,000, which was like just the amount of the interest alone. So he's making no money and his brother needs his help. Um... In an October, or sorry, November of 2002, he meets with a Chinese man named Tan in a mall food court who tells him to travel to Sydney to meet a Vietnamese man named Sun. Sun then offers to pay all of Van's debts and if he agrees to transport heroin from Cambodia to Melbourne and possibly to Sydney by way of Singapore. So this was actually his first trip overseas since immigrating to Australia. This is his first time leaving the country. Um, And he doesn't come back. Um, He reaches Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, at midday on December 3rd, 2002. The next day, he met with a a Cambodian man at a Lucky Burger restaurant. And then he's taken to um, a garage where he's told to smoke some of the heroin. It doesn't say whether or not he did it, but I mean, <laughs> I probably would if I were him. I would be scared to say no. Um, he's then told to stay in Cambodia until December 10th and then meet back at the Lucky Burger. So he's got all this extra time. So he decides to take a quick trip to Ho Chi Minh. He's Vietnamese and has never been to Vietnam. Um, and like they, this is just like a, a sentence on the Wikipedia page. And like, I haven't been able to like, find anything about this trip that he took but i just like would love to know like what that trip was like for him it's like his first time out of the country (sighs) i don't know um but on december 11th oh okay so he he comes back on december 10th but he's late for his meeting um but it's all okay because on december 11th he's taken back to the garage and instructed on how to crush the heroin bricks and strap it to his body So he spends the rest of the day doing that and then checks out of the hotel on the next day. 
His flight to Melbourne has a four-hour layover in Singapore, and on boarding his flight from Singapore to Melbourne, he triggered a metal detector. They go to search him and then find the heroin strapped to his body. He immediately comes clean about the second package in his luggage. He confessed to having 396.2 grams of heroin in his possession, more than 26 times the amount of heroin mandating a death sentence. Oh my god. Right? Um, and he was sentenced to death on March 20th, 2004. So, like I said, many pleas for clemency from various groups. Um, Amne- actually, Amnesty International was criticized for refusing to work with other groups and campaigns to help Van, but rather just asking the public to donate money to Amnesty International. Oh. So it's kind of icky. Also, the Australian government was criticized in doing too little too late, um, as their first plea for clemency didn't come until October of 2005, just a month and a half before his scheduled execution. Hmm. One lawyer, uh, but, like, there were a whole bunch of, like, um, uh, like, smaller groups that were, like, actually like doing everything that they could to try to get him out one lawyer in a last-ditch effort to save van tried to charge him with a drug-related offense in the in the melbourne magistrates court um which he hoped would allow the australian government to extradite him Mm. um however this was overruled because of some double jeopardy laws or some shit um possibly the most gutting part of this whole story is that van's mom wasn't allowed to hug him before he died it like we've already established that like he's he's 24 when he's arrested so he's 25 now i think yes he's 25 now at least and like this was his first offense and like i would argue it's for a pretty good reason he's not a dangerous person you can let him hug his fucking mom yeah, what's the like, protocol on hugs like i don't get what the rule is about hugs i i don't know either but the day before his death, however, there was a little, there was a grill in the bars, so they were able to hold hands, and she was able to touch his face, but they weren't allowed to hug. Um, so on Friday, December 2nd, at 6.06 Singapore Standard Time, Van Tuang Nguyen was hanged. On his way to the gallows, he was joking with the guards and asked, do I have a chance? <laughs> Which I think is pretty fucking funny. Um... His family returned to Melbourne with his body on December 4th, and a requiem mass was held on the 7th for him in both English and Vietnamese with four members of parliament in attendance. Julian McMahon, Van's lawyer, said, I will be praying for Van and his family and the people who mistakenly make these decisions and think they're doing a good thing when they're fundamentally, when it's fundamentally morally the wrong thing to do. And that's it. That's the whole fucking story. Isn't it sad? <laughs> that sounds like a movie. Is there a movie? Well, there was a movie. Um, fuck, I didn't write it down. There was a movie made about it. There was also an ABC documentary made about it. Also, um, the playwright Susie Miller. I don't know what else. I mean, I, I saw a list of things that she has done, but I didn't recognize any of the titles. She wrote a play that was based on it called caress ache um because she was so like hung up on this like like she wasn't allowed to hug her son like that right yeah which like yeah that's a play i'm hung up on the like try to um try to get him extradited to australia yeah 
Like that feels like a um climax of a movie. Yeah. Like when that's Can you imagine if when that had worked? Down. Yeah. That would have been so tight. All right. Well, shaking that off, the movie is still Harry Potter. Uh, do you want to guess what the top dance track was? Okay, I was thinking Timberlake. What about like I don't know what his older songs are. What about Crimea River? <laughs> It's still hung up. <laughs> I'm just hung up on this song. No. <laughs> ah! Okay. All right. We open on a somber beach scene. We see Jin and Sun exit their tent after what can only be a night of boing. I did not. Arunga. I didn't get that. Like, oh. <laughs> I just I just skimmed um the Wikipedia page. I think. When I was looking at the production notes, and it said like, Jin emerges shirtless, and then I was like, "Oh, they're trying to tell me that they freaking hooked up, dude." They hooked up. He totally hooked up with, <laughs> with his, his wife. wife. <laughs> I wish people would talk like that. <laughs> but like that went over my head when I watched the show. I thought they were just like happy the, to be the back together up. well i mean that's you know that's the gist of it they're happy to be reunited uh but hurley gives jen a big thumbs up because he knows that he just hooked up with his wife uh and then sun looks over and sees saeed alone digging shannon's yeah, grave how fuck? fucking sad is he doesn't even have a shovel he just has a stick <laughs> can you he can fix a transmitter. He can do all of these things, but he can't make a shovel. <laughs> no way. There's got to be a shovel in the Swan Station because it wasn't there a shovel in the other station for Ana Lucia to dig her ditch prison. Did she just do it with a stick? <laughs> God, I don't know. Anyway, we cut to Jack. Michael told me you pulled the bullet out with your bare hands. <laughs> to show me how to do that sometime as sawyer is coming to he mumbles where is she in a clear parallel to the marshal yeah, exactly that was weird yeah. he then says he loves her oh I, I got chills i was like i i don't know the stakes are very high for me yeah about the like jack and sawyer situation yeah <laughs> it, this was a big episode for that yeah, so anyway, we cut to Kate. She's up in a tree collecting fruit. At the base of the tree, she turns around and she sees a black horse. Our girl loves climbing trees. She loves to climb a tree. Um, flashback, she's sitting on a porch, flicking a lighter off and on, you know, like a badass. <laughs> um, a drunk man pulls up and she brings him to his bed. He tells her she's beautiful. She ignores him. He's making unwanted advances, and it's very weird. She exits the house and leaves on a motorcycle, and the house blows up. That I was, was shocking. Shocked. I was like, hmm, why are they showing this house for so long? Oh, it really got me. <laughs> she goes to a diner. She knows the waitress, and guess what? It's her mom. Oh, I, I wrote out the process of me figuring out that it was her mom. 
She calls her ma? Like her mom? Is that the same lady as the hospital? <laughs> Coffee, pie, both. I want a beer. Like to see some ID. 24, mom. She does look a lot better, to be fair. She looks yeah. a lot better than hospital Diane. <laughs> oh, she asks her about her broken wrist, and Ma tells her that it was from running into a cabinet. Kate says, don't. I made my bed, Catherine. And then she hands her the insurance policy for the house. She says, I took care of you. I have to go, and you're not going to see me for a while. All the while, Ma is calling after her. What did you do, Catherine? And she just leaves. In the present, Kate returns to the bunker with the fruit. She asks Jack about Sawyer and learns that he still has a fever, and Jack doesn't even know if the antibiotics are working. <laughs> so that's terrifying. Um, he tells her she should go to the beach for Shannon. She says, you know what? You go to the beach for Shannon. And he does. Um, I don't know. I think maybe the doctor should have stayed with him. Uh, well, if he can't still be has there a fever. 24-7. Be back in a couple hours. Yep. I don't know. He has a fever. They're not sure if the antibiotics are working. I feel like it would be better to have Jack there. You're sure you're okay? Than like Kate. in case he goes into septic shock? Yeah. Yeah, I'm great. Um, anyway. Echo finds Ana Lucia in the jungle and tells her that she should go to the funeral. Um, he tells her most of them realize it was an accident and she says no. Is he Which married? I think was smart. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, it's smart of her to not go. Yeah, I think she's got to, I mean, even if it's, she's got to give them their space. Yeah, I don't know who hates her still. Like, when we left, she had, um, not only had she accidentally killed someone, but she had then, like, antagonized Saeed and kept him hostage. So, yeah. like... I yeah I understand her instinct to think that things are not good between her and the rest of them. Yeah. What were you, wait? Who's wearing what? I was wondering if Echo is wearing like a tuxedo shirt. It's very like it's a very fancy button up shirt. Oh, it's got, oh like, my god! Wait, when you said that, I thought you meant like a tuxedo like shirt. A <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I said how did I all miss you that? Could find. <laughs> it's a bazinga t-shirt. That's my dream. And that's actually my prediction for this episode. <laughs> He's going to wear a hilarious t-shirt. At the funeral, Saeed is wearing his finest gray polo. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was very noticeable to me. Like, I I spent a good chunk of that scene being like, what's different here? <laughs> it's he's not wearing a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> he decided to dress up for his girlfriend's funeral. <laughs> He tells everyone that he loved her, and then he leaves, and then they all bury her. Um, in the bunker, Kate is basically home alone. She turns on Patsy Klein, mashes oh, up some fruit for Sawyer. It's a horse. Um, he wakes up and starts mumbling in another parallel to the marshal. He grabs her as she's leaning over to hear what he's saying. So that's weird. Th that was... Um... I didn't like that choice because. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I didn't like that because choice. I'm so serious. 
Um, because this whole episode, I thought that he was being possessed by the marshal because he did, you know, like the ghost of the marshal because he did two things that the marshal did when he was dying. So then like, you know, 30 minutes later, she like starts talking to Wayne's ghost or something. And I was like, no, I think he's the marshal. What if Wayne was possessing the marshal? (gasps) (gasps) This is getting into like a different show is is when she brought up the whole thing about like wayne possessing sawyer yeah i was just that's a different show that's we don't we well, don't have room for possessions in this show we already did it though because um <laughs> sawyer <laughs> it's already done <laughs> i didn't like this choice but Sawyer already had a possession episode and it'll all come back around when sweet shrimp guy possessed that boar that was targeting Sawyer and only Sawyer and then Locke was like oh my foster mother thought a dog was her daughter there already are possessions (laughs) oh I hope Shannon possesses someone oh my god Jack and John return to the bunker and find the alarm going off and Sawyer on the ground Kate's gone, uh, but we cut to her in the jungle. Charlie's filling her in on the funeral and the new tail section people. She then asks him if he thinks that there are horses here. And then he says, no. (laughs) And then she leaves. Flashback to Kate in a train station buying a ticket to Tallahassee. She gets arrested by the marshal. And is that the first time that she meets the marshal? Yeah, and he's behind her. That's the impression I got because um I don't, I don't think that she like recognized his face. I think it was that he said Kate and she was like, "Oh fuck, they're yeah. on to me." Well, okay, so he always was a little bit weird. So it wasn't like something that she did to prompt him being weird. Like he's always been like Yeah, you're right. God, what a weirdo. Um cut to Charlie in the present. Oh, oh, we find out that um her mom gave her up, which is cold. Yeah, God. Um, cut to Charlie in the present, and he's playing beach. What? He's playing guitar <laughs> on the beach. Um, Jack asks him if he's seen Kate. He tells him that she's heading to the caves. In the bunker, John is finally getting those season one handcuffs off of Jin. Yeah. I had forgotten all about that. It's been 28 episodes. I checked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael's there. What's up with the blast doors? Blast doors? Yeah. Like in case of an explosion, they come from the ceiling. That guy down here, uh... Desmond? Yeah, Desmond. He didn't tell you about these, what they're for? No. No, he didn't. Desmond didn't mention anything about them, but he did leave a movie, <laughs> so... Desmond didn't uh, mention a lot of things. Mr. Echo appears and says that he too would like to watch the movie. <laughs> In his tuxedo shirt. I would like to see it. If you don't mind. Why not? More the merrier. Cut to Kate in the jungle. She looks terrible. She's so tired. Yeah. Jack finds her and asks her what happened in the hatch. She asks if he if Sawyer's okay and then doesn't explain anything that happened. She yells at him and then we get a classic struggle that leads to a crying hug that leads to a little old kiss. Um, a big old kiss. A big old kiss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
when she pulls away Jack as a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine like that? I didn't like that choice. (laughs) I don't remember that. How do we feel about a 40-year-old being cast opposite a 27-year-old? That's not that weird. I'm fine with it in real life, but I do feel like if I were her, and this is my first acting job, I'd be like, here I am. I'm a TV actress. I would be like, why did they cast me opposite two people born in the 1960s? (laughs) I would be like, what is it about me that made me feel like the choice here? Yeah. Yeah. It's unusual. You know. (laughs) We love to see it. Um... She runs away from him. Um, we get to see some of that movie again when we cut back to the hatch. Um, Marvin Candle. Marvin Candle. <laughs> I was trying to remember his name. You've been pushing that button every two hours since you got down here. That's right. How's that even work? I set up two-person shifts, six hours. Everyone's on the roster. Don't they want to know why? Um, when asks what when uh, when asked what he thinks about the film, Mr. Echo silently walks away. <laughs> this is my favorite movie, so that was a harsh critique from my yeah. guy. On the beach, Kate is at Shannon's grave. Saeed walks over and puts a necklace on her headstone. I had to be with Sawyer, so why aren't you with him now? She tells him that she's going crazy and asks him if he believes in ghosts. He tells her about seeing Walt before Shannon was shot. Flashback to Kate in the car with the marshal. Why now? What? Nice corn-fed farm girl like yourself. No history of violence. He says he understands why she killed Wayne, but wants to know why now. You don't know anything about me. White trash mom divorces dad, starts up with some guy who's a drinker. Maybe he knocks her around a little bit. And so she marries him because... You know, that's what happens. He guesses that he came knocking on her door late at night, and she says he never touched her, which we know is kind of a lie. Like, I think that's a lie. Um, I mean, he at least has made advances on her. We've already seen that. Yeah. I believe her. Like, I believe that that's as far as it got. Yeah, but isn't that enough? Yeah. I think that still counts. Yeah, that's too much. As him knocking on her door. Well, late at night. Well, I think he was thinking of like a dark I know well situation. (laughs) And Kate was like clear that it didn't get that far. Yeah. And I believe her because I think that that's the type of show this is. They they would be like, no, no, no. Don't don't worry about her that much. (laughs) Either way, the sentiment is still there. Mm -hmm. And uh, then suddenly the marshal almost hits something and swerves into a tree. She's able to push him out of the car and drive away in handcuffs. Before she drives away, she sees what they almost hit, and it's a black horse. She says, thank you, horse. (laughs) You're welcome, Kate. And I didn't like that choice where the horse talked after. Um, In the hatch, John is showing Michael how to enter the numbers. Mm -hmm. Michael starts to look at the hardware. Um, in the kitchen, Mr. Echo tells John the story of the Old Testament's discovery and shows him a book that he found that he says will be useful. John opens it and finds a roll of film, and on it is Marvin Candles! So, 
missing piece of the film that's cut out. Um, cut to Jack in the jungle chopping wood. Hey. Hurley finds him and asks if he's mad at Sawyer, since Sawyer is the one who's always out chopping wood. Now Jack is. He a, this a is transference. Yeah, I didn't get it either, but <laughs> what he's, talking about. he's been in a mental hospital and he says that's what it's called, so I trust him. Um, Jack says he's not mad at anyone. In the hatch, uh, Kate comes in and finds Sun with Sawyer. Sun asks Kate if she'll watch him, so clearly Jack didn't tell her what happened this morning. Flashback to Kate in an army recruit center, and she finds her real dad. I'll send one over to you, right? I'll call you back later. She confronts him about Wayne being her real father and asks why he didn't tell her. She was making him a birthday scrapbook. (laughs) And the dates of the pictures she found have him in Korea four months before she was born. Uh. Um, He says that he didn't tell her because she knew that she'd kill him. Wow. At five? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and he says that her mother loved him. I just don't give a shit. About Diane and Wayne? Is that her name? Diane, yes. Um, I don't give a shit if she loved him or not. That's, no. Yeah, yeah, she loved him enough to want Kate to be arrested for murder. That's abuse. Like, <laughs> she just, I don't, I don't know. I think she's a bad mom. Well, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> um, It just feels like that's not going to get Wayne back. Like, you love your daughter, obviously. And if she w- was in love with Wayne, you know, that is very sad that he is now dead. But, like, having, like, giving Kate up isn't going to fix that situation like it just feels like she stopped loving kate when wayne died like she really has to get her vengeance yeah she's a spiteful old hag also wait i realized that she like starts panicking when kate shows up in the hospital so does she think that kate came to murder her too in the hospital uh it could be that i don't i don't think so though i think that she just was like this is my chance to finally get her. Because oh. she and I wouldn't have thought that until this episode because she is so spiteful. Oh wow. This is not a good look at Diane. Yeah. Not cute. He says he didn't tell her because she knew that she'd kill him. Um he then says that he's going to have to call the police, but uh, oh also she asks why didn't you kill him and he says because I don't have murder in my heart. So basically, you're a monster. Um, He says he's going to have to call the police, but but agrees to give her an hour to get away. In the present, Kate is trying to talk to Sawyer, but he's still unconscious. She then starts calling him Wayne, and he begins to mumble. (laughs) Great. She thinks Wayne is living in Sawyer. Uh, She tells Wayne that she killed him because she hated that he was a part of her. She says every time she looks at Sawyer and feels something for him, she sees Wayne. That's where they lost me. Yeah. (laughs) That's an absolute no. We need to cancel Kate and Sawyer right now if she keeps thinking about Wayne, the father that was attracted to her sexually. (laughs) Gross. We're done with that plot line now. (laughs) 
And like she's like no, and then he she walks him around, and like he still thinks that she's oh like pulling God. his leg. That's so sad. Um, John and Mister Echo are piecing together the new film. John marvels at the odds of them crashing on an island and finding the pieces and putting them together. And Echo tells him not to mistake coincidence for fate. That is everything to me. I think about that more than someone should. Like, when coincidences happen to me, I'm the type of person to be like, is this a sign? Like, what action am I supposed to take here? Like, I need Echo to really lay it out for me. And that was everything John needed to hear. Yeah. Uh, But John looks at him like he just pissed on his birthday cake. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He says, don't take this from me. (laughs) Um. Kate helps Sawyer up, uh, and she takes him out the front door where he finally realizes that she's not fucking with him. They are truly still on the island. Um, He sees something behind her, and it's the horse, so she's not hallucinating. She gets to pet it, which is nice. You know that horse, Frankis? Yeah, I do. That's a lie. I mean, she's seen a black horse before. Listen, she believes it. She believes he's here. The horse is like, I don't know her. Like, <laughs> this is racist. I don't. I Not all black horses look alike. <laughs> uh, Jack finds Ana Lucia on the beach and gives her some airplane tequila. That's nice. John and Echo are watching a, the new movie. Uh, <laughs> new release. Part two. Uh, the missing the part. <laughs> uh, the missing part that they're now able to watch says, don't use the computer for anything else other than entering the code. It could lead to another incident. Do not use a computer for anything other than entering the code. Congratulations. Meanwhile, Michael is in the other room and sees that someone has sent him an IM. <laughs> it's Walt. And then that's it. That's the end of the it episode. It might not be Walt. Yeah, it says that it's Walt. <laughs> it just says dad. Yeah. But what if it's, like, the others? It could be. That's all I'm saying. We don't know if it's Walt. It's, it's either Walt or it's, it's the others who have figured out. somebody that knows Walt's dad's name. Yeah. And that's all I got. I'm pretty sure, I don't remember what part this happened. Is it before Jack goes to the funeral that where he reminds Kate about the button, too? So he's all in on this now? Wait, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Jack reminds Kate to do the button entering... When they're at the funeral. Oh. So this is the second time that he's, like, told somebody to get on that. Yeah. Oh, so he's starting to... So, like... It's important. I'm surprised. Um, Walking After Midnight. That was one of my favorite songs as a child. Mm. Huge for me to hear. Um, In that scene with Saeed, she looks like she's coming off of something. And Saeed says nothing about it. Like, no mention is made of her being, like clearly unwell yeah (laughs) and it's shocking too i mean i guess the two of them are unwell together right now 
And then lastly, um, we learned that Kate got straight A's. That's interesting. Yeah. Vote off. All right. One, two, three, lock. Oh. Why? Uh, Just because he's being a little unhinged right now. I don't quite trust it. I feel like Echo, the position that Locke is serving right now in terms of like finding out the mysteries of the island, I think that Echo could be doing that better. Yeah. Because he just seems a little less unhinged. Agree. Um, I thought that Echo was going to enable him because he's apparently very spiritual, but instead yeah. he just like kind of called him out. Yeah. On trying to start his own island religion. I feel like Echo is like a cool Christian. Like, yeah. MVP? One, three, two, two one, side. Oh. Kate fucking rules. I just said Kate because she's got some real goodbye Earl energy in this episode. Oh my God. Yeah. I said Saeed because he, I actually wrote this. I'm glad that you brought this up. I chose Saeed because he had addiction. It's great. And no one helped him. <laughs> yeah, that's so me. How is like everyone just like watching him do it? I guess it? he'll be the one. Like imagine if that's how it worked now in the real world. Like you have to like arrange the plot in the cemetery. Oh my God. Um. Also he put his prayer beads on her grave that was sweet i thought that was her necklace yeah i did too that was from the internet (laughs) gotcha and also he told kate about the walt visions which i was glad about because we have to do something about that yeah (laughs) we got to do something about that wet child (laughs) okay predictions i'm uh i'm getting a little psyched what do you think is gonna happen (laughs) the situation with josiah and the book of law what happens with that is Hilkiah gives the scroll to his secretary, Shaphan, who takes it to King Josiah. According to the Bible, King Josiah then changes his form of leadership entirely. He, along with his people, then entered into this new covenant with the Lord to keep the commandments of the Lord. So I'm not saying this is where Lost is going, but if they were to mirror this, then Echo would give the scroll to Locke, who would give it to Jack. And then Jack would become fully invested in Dharma and change his entire leadership style. Mm. I don't actually think that Jack is going to turn into a man of faith because that's not what the show set up. And that doesn't sound like him, but that would be a direct parallel. Mm. And then the other thing is, um, I noticed that the next episode is called the 23rd Psalm. So I just copy and pasted the text of Psalm 23. Do you know what it is? No. I can't. I don't know. Like, I went to Catholic school for 14 years, but I didn't have to, like, memorize any Bible passages. Yeah. We just, like, studied themes and analyzed texts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But huge one. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, He maketh yes. me to lie. Oh, yes. <laughs> he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, yes, yes, I I remember. No evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. (laughs) This is like a lit Bible study. We're both like, yes! (laughs) Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Mm. Surely. (laughs) Yes, Lord? 
<laughs> Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So basically, it's like a psalm that everybody knows. Yeah. And now I'm so jazzed to see what's going to happen. I can't like, believe all those iconic yeah, lines are in the same psalm. That's crazy. Um. Also, like, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Um, That's in, like, horror movies that I've seen. Yeah. So is it going to get scary? Oh! But then, yeah, like, the rest of it is so nice. Also, I think next episode is a Mr. Echo episode. <gasps> Oh, our favorite Christian. <laughs> He's Who's a your cool favorite Christian youth pastor. <laughs> I hope that's his backstory. Oh my god. <laughs> R.I.P. Marshall. It's been a long day without you, my friend. R.I.P. Shannon. Oh, I'll tell you R.I.P. Kate's real daddy, not Sam Austin. By the way, I loved Sam Austin. I'm all yeah. about him. Yeah, he was cool. He also had a big scar on his face. Mm. I think. Uh, also, oh, no, you were watching Diane. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see Diane die, did we? No. Are we going to? But God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Diane. We should we should have Diane's death and um and then we should get to see Susan Lloyd's death in the same episode. Yeah. And you'll feel so vindicated. <laughs> I like this one. It was yeah. a wild ride. I liked this one too. I <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I um I hate to be this person because I know that Evangeline Lily was not really about this, but like this love triangle, like I'm in. I know. <laughs> I didn't think that I Wait, would. She be was so not invested. about it. Yeah, I think she was just a little disappointed. First of all, Kate's a huge badass, so she shouldn't complain. But I think she has said, you know, through the years that like she got so sick of it, and yeah. she purposely like didn't take roles that like had a love triangle after that because she was like, I'm more than this. But like, this is a great. Women on television, yeah. she's like an action hero. I feel like she's got a lot of other stuff going on. Maybe don't shit where you eat, Kate. Evangeline. <laughs> Never mind, I hate don't Kate bitch. <laughs> well, we got some loose ends to tie up. Uh, first of all, I realized that if Ana Lucia allowed the guy to be released and then handed up dead, I would put her pretty high on the suspects list. He literally confessed, and the mom was like, why are you doing this? And then, like, he gets yeah. shot in an alley. Don't you think everyone would point fingers at yeah. her? Yeah. So, um, good but thing also, she's here. But also, cops protect cops, so mm. they wouldn't say shit. Interesting. All Ana Lucia's are bastards. <laughs> okay, um, we recently found out about the, um, the teen choice vampire category. Oh, my God. And... And you said, I'm sure Ian won, right? He must have won. Well, he was only nominated in 2011. I don't know how many years they did this category, but 
in 2011 when he was nominated, he lost to who do you think? Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Oh. And guess who else was nominated in that category from Twilight? Ian's dang wife. Oh. Who was engaged to her first husband at the time. Oh. Oh. Fun for them. They both lost to Edward Cullen. In 2014, he lost the Ian also lost the award for social media king to <laughs> One Direction. <laughs> I don't okay. get it. I support that. And the same year, he was nominated for Choice Twitter Personality. First of all, how are those two different awards? And he lost to One Direction. So. Wow. Wait, twice? In the same year, he was nominated for Social Media King and Twitter Personality. And One Direction won both of those categories. So wow. I don't get those categories. How are they different? And like... In 2014, what were the One Direction guys fucking tweeting about? Like, can we go back? Oh, my God. What was so important? Okay, and then here's um, another loose end. I clipped for you, gal. <gasps> Uh-oh. Cindy's ass on the plane in the pilot. So how's the drink? It's good. That wasn't a very strong reaction. Well, it's not a very strong drink. Just don't tell anyone. Hmm. What that could go either way. Is that? So then I was like, what's happening? And you better believe I looked at her Wikipedia. And it turns out she was born in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Her father is Canadian and her mother is Australian. She lived in Australia for nine years, starting at age three. She went to school in Switzerland for four years, where mm-hmm. she learned to speak French and Spanish. The family traveled extensively in Europe, and then she returned to Australia for seven years, and then she moved to the USA, and then Manchester, England, and then back to Australia, and she okay, currently so she lives talks in LA. Funny. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we may never know what her accent oh, sounds like. I see. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yeah. It does feel... I wonder if in the pilot, because I did read... Um, I, I had to stop reading her Wikipedia page because I think it was going to, like give away what episode she appears in. Oh. Um, but it did say that that character was supposed to be a one-off and then, like, the producers just found her really likable. So that's mm. why they had that flight attendant survive the plane crash, which is fun. We love to hear. Yeah, I hope like, she's... I mean, I would imagine she's not gone then. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she'll... Like, I think she is going to appear in more episodes, but it could be, like, just in plane flashback. stuff and not be involving oh, the island yeah, yeah. but maybe it does involve the island mm-hmm. anyway um so i wonder if she just used her regular accent as like you know a three-line walk-on role for this tv show and then when they brought her back they were like you're an australian flight attendant so be australian yeah maybe. that could be what happened huh anyway i was fucking floored when i watched that scene i was like that's not what she sounded like in the fucking episode that we just watched Wow. And then um, the last loose end to tie up is uh, I did some research on You Raise Me Up because we were so heated about your teacher. Um, Did you read what it said on Wikipedia about its origin? Yeah. It didn't say anything about a mudslide, right? No. 
Um, the composer was Rolf Loveland of the band Secret Garden that you mentioned. Rolf mm-hmm. is a fan of the novels of Irish writer Brendan Graham, so he asked if he would write lyrics to this piece that he had written. Oh. The lyrics are inspired by his first novel, 1998's The Whitest Flower. So what that means is your teacher can be exposed as a liar by anyone <laughs> who looks on Wikipedia. Um According to Google Books, The Whitest Flower takes place in 1845 when Ireland's Great Famine begins. Um, As the blight ravages the land, Ellen O'Malley loses her husband. Alone and vulnerable, she is duped into going to Australia to seek a better life, leaving three of her beloved children behind. Traveling aboard a coffin ship, she arrives emaciated and ill with her new baby, but the country proves a harsh and brutal landscape and a change in fortune seems further away than ever. But Ellen, a woman with an indomitable spirit, is determined to rise above her oppression and bring her family together once more. So that's what the song's about. Okay. Brendan Graham. Here's some trivia. Apparently you can see Saeed being arrested on the TV in the army recruiting office. Oh? Yeah. Really? Is it like at the airport? I don't get why would there be cameras there? This is the first episode in which Locke and Jin exchange dialogue. Really? Isn't that funny? Here's what I found relevant about the Josiah story that Echo was talking about. Josiah ordered the high priest Hilkiah to use the tax money which had been collected over the years to renovate the temple. While Hilkiah was clearing the treasure room of the temple, he discovered a scroll described in two kings as the book of the law and in two chronicles as the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. So that's another connection to Aaron and Exodus and Moses that they might be making. I think Echo said that that book became known as the Old Testament, right? Yeah. But more precisely, it's believed to be a precursor to the book of Deuteronomy exclusively. Oh. Um, on the shelf near Sawyer's bed, they have the book Hindsight by Peter Wright. This book is about a team of scientists who are building... <gasps> a, a science team? You know? <laughs> uh, who are building a machine that can recover images of past events. Project funding is provided by a mysterious scientific foundation that swears them to secrecy. So that could be loss-related, or it could just be someone who works on the show that likes science fiction books. Yeah. <laughs> Threw that up there. And then another book on the shelf near that bed is After All These Years by Susan Isaacs. That book has its own page on Lostpedia where they give some connections or trivia. So I didn't read that part of the wow. page because I was afraid it was going to spoil something. But according to the summary paragraph, the book is about an English teacher who is accused of murdering her husband who left her. She goes to Manhattan on the lam to try to find the real killer and learns more about her husband than she ever wanted to so know. So it's like Gone Girl, but... I guess. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to turn into something deeper or if it's just there because it's a charismatic heroine on the run from the law. Mm. Evangeline Lilly said that this is the first time she had to draw from her own emotional baggage to play Kate. Oh, like when she killed her father in a fire? I guess, but I don't like that for her. <laughs> I think I watched The Lost Also, Lo- like, that's the first time? <laughs> yeah, in The you- Lost on Location, she was like, I don't like to do that as an actor. I don't use my own experiences, but in this one, I really did. I just like to cross my arms. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is fucked up, and I don't want to know what emotional baggage she was drawing from. Um, the horse's name is Black Pearl, and Black oh. Pearl loves people. 
they is had Black Pearl still alive? <laughs> Why would I know that? Black Pearl the horse. <laughs> Black Pearl the okay lost. I gotta know if this horse is still alive. Oh, okay. Full name: Flying W Farms Princess Black Pearl. She's a Frisian horse. Mm. Lives in Hawaii. The pictures of Kate and her. She was featured on the television show Lost. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about whether she's still alive. I guess so, because she's like, yeah, it says copyright 2021. They would have like mentioned if she was dead. Yeah. So I like to think that she's still alive. Okay, go That's on. An old horse. So that scene where the horse comes up to Kate and they nuzzle or whatever and Sawyer's there. Mm-hmm. That was not how it was written, but they had to change it because Black Pearl, like, when she sees people, she wants to snuggle them. <laughs> they were trying to get her to just, like, stand at a distance and, like, lock eyes with Kate, but she just kept coming over. Oh, so they changed my it. God. <laughs> Isn't that just a delight? <sighs> Fuck. What a good girl. Best trivia. Okay, well, before we go, I just want to say that L. Scott Caldwell and Sam Anderson were both born in the mid-20th century. Who? <laughs> Bernard and Rose. Oh. So, they've been witness to a huge evolution in the portrayal of race on television, so I'm willing to cut an older person a little more slack for thinking that an interracial couple on TV needs to be pointed out by another mm-hmm. character. I just felt bad that I came for them so hard. <laughs> yeah, I came for them so hard. Ew! That's not what I meant! Uh, I only come for the ghost of Wayne. <laughs> That's it, right? That's Nothing it. else to say. Um, follow us on Instagram at youlostmepod, Twitter at youlostmepod, email us at youlostmepod at gmail.com. Be nice to see you. Bye. <laughs>